Welcome to B2B Writing Success, the podcast on building a thriving business as a business-to-business writer or copywriter. B2B Writing Success is brought to you by American Writers and Artists, Inc. Now here's your host, copywriting expert and business coach, Steve Slonwhite. Hello, fellow B2B writers and copywriters. Hope you had a great week with your business. This week, I want to talk about selecting visuals for blog posts, especially client blogs, blogs that you are writing for. Now, a blog post is one of those projects where it's becoming increasingly important that you concern yourself with visuals. That's unlike a lot of other types of copywriting projects where you don't have to worry about it so much. If you're writing a white paper or writing a website, you know, you're usually coordinating with a graphic designer or a web designer or the client is working with a design agency and you're working with them or working with that design person, but you're not doing the graphics yourself, usually, unless you're also a graphic designer. You're just concerning yourself with the words, with the copy, and you're typically delivering the draft as a Word document. But blogs are a little bit different. And I find that increasingly companies want you to deliver a blog post along with a visual or picture or image that goes with the blog post. And you've seen these before. Probably, you know, your favorite blogs probably include a visual for each blog post. There'll be a blog post, there'll be a visual integrated within the blog post, or perhaps on top of the blog post as a banner. But there's usually a visual that goes with the blog post. And companies, uh, especially B2B companies, increasingly are asking the copywriter to supply that element. So you're supplying a complete blog post with the image. How do you do that? We are wordsmiths. How do we pick visuals for a blog post? Well, I want to give you some tips on how to do that in, in this podcast. First of all, we, you have to understand the different types of visuals. And there are basically four types of visuals that you need to concern yourself with. There is the support visual, the direct visual, the product visual, and the infographic visual. Okay, I'm going to explain what each one of those are uh, right now. So let's start with a support visual. What is a support visual? Well, a support visual is what I call eye candy. It's a visual, it could be a picture, an image, uh, illustration, a graphic of some kind that's in the blog post that's just there to look good. That's just there to break up the text. It's, it's just a nice looking picture. It's not particularly meaningful. You don't really need it, but you do, you know, you want a picture in there and you put a picture in there that kind of looks good and in some way relates to the content of the blog post. For example, if you're writing for a training company, and let's say you're doing some blog posts about training, then you might have a picture in one of those blog posts of an audience in a workshop applauding, okay? Or a picture of someone presenting a workshop, something like that. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a picture, it's an image that relates to the theme of the blog post, and it's just there to you know, look good and stand out, and, and it takes the blog post to the next level as far as effectiveness. But the thing about a support visual is that you can take that visual out, and the blog post will be just fine. 
it won't reduce its effectiveness that much. So it's a support visual. It's a visual that is that's nice to have, but not really vital. Yeah, it's there just to support the message. I'll give you another example. Let's say you're writing for a company that has a, um, a, a CRM software for realtors, CRM customer relationship management. So you might have a picture in one of the blog posts of, of a realtor holding her smartphone. And the idea is, is that she's accessing the CRM on her smartphone. Okay, you could have got that picture from anywhere. So it supports the message, but you could take that picture out and the blog post will be just fine without it. That's the test for a support visual, is you can take it out and the copy, the content will be just fine without it. Uh, one of the problems with support visuals is that everybody uses them and you start seeing the same image over and over again and they, they're becoming way too common. Uh, I don't know how many times I've seen a arrow hitting a bullseye. <laughs> Have you seen that image? They're all over the place. Or a stick man raising his hand amongst a group of other stick men. You know, some of these images get used over and over again. They're thematic images. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, if you need an image for a blog post, it's kind of a fast and easy thing to do. It's to find some image that aligns somewhat with the message, relates somewhat with the content of the blog post, and it's used there just to make the blog posts stand out a bit more. That's a support visual. Now, the next step up from that in effectiveness is what I call the direct visual. Now, a direct visual has all the elements of a support visual, except it directly relates to and expands on the message in the blog post. You've heard that expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, that's what a support, uh, direct visual does. It, it plays a big role in communicating what you're saying in the blog post. And if you were to take that image away from the blog post, the blog post would be far less effective without it. Let me give you an example. Let's say you, you are writing a blog for a forklift company and you've done a series of blog posts on forklift safety. Well, you might have a picture in one of those uh, blog posts, a picture of a forklift driver using the three-point grip technique to climb onto the forklift truck. That's a safety technique for getting on a truck. It's called the three-point grip technique. And if your blog post is about using the three-point grip technique effectively, to uh, be safer, that picture is very important. It's very difficult to describe that in a blog post. You need a picture. Okay, so that's a direct visual. It directly relates to and expands on the message and the content. It's, it's almost, almost necessary to have it. Another direct visual, let's say you're writing for a company uh, and it's a customer service training company. So they go in and they, they train companies on how to be better at customer service. Well, you could be writing a series of blog posts on that for that company, and you could have a direct visual that shows a, a negative review or a negative complaint about a company online, showing the consequence of not having good customer service, uh, that people will spread negative things about you online. Okay, that's a direct visual. 
Uh, it's really important to the blog posts that you're writing. If you were to take that away, the blog post would be far less effective without it. So that is a direct visual. Direct visuals are more difficult to find. Okay, they're not commonplace. You have to do some digging to find some good direct visuals. And sometimes a direct visual is customized. That the company has to get it created or a picture taken or something like that. But uh, they're worth it because they make the blog post so much more effective if you have a direct visual rather than a support visual. So that's, that's the first two, direct visuals and support visuals. Number three is called the product visual. And that is when you need to have a picture of what you're talking about in order for the reader to understand it. Okay, so if, you're, if you have a blog post about a certain type of software, for example, sometimes you have to show a picture of the software dashboard. Okay, the first screen that you see when you launch the software. Uh, it, it just it'd be very, might be very difficult to describe the software without showing the screenshot of the dashboard. Okay, so that's what I mean by taking a picture of the product, the product visual. Um, if you're writing services as well, if you're writing for a executive coaching company, uh, you might have a picture of an actual executive coach on site at a company working one-on-one -on -one with one of the executives at that company in a coaching situation. Okay, that's a product visual. You're showing a picture of the product. In this case, it's a service, picture of the service in action. So a picture of the product or a picture of a service in action. And sometimes you, you need to have a product visual, otherwise it's very difficult to write a blog post that explains the product or explains the service. Um, can you imagine if you're writing to an audience that has never seen a lawnmower before? A lawnmower is a very common type of product, we all understand it, but can you imagine trying to describe that to someone who's never seen one before? You know, where would you begin to use words to do that? You'd have to talk about this rotating cutting blade that spins around like a, uh, an airplane propeller, how it, how it sits on this kind of round box, it has wheels, and, you know, after a while, you just want to pull out a picture and say, hey, here's what it looks like, <laughs> okay? This is a lawnmower. Uh, the, same, that's, the same thing goes with uh, certain types of blog posts where you're talking about a product or service. Sometimes it's just better if you, and necessary to show a picture of the product or service in action. That's called the product visual, number three. And number four is the infographic. Now, you've seen infographics before. You've seen them online. They're all over Pinterest. Um, you know, they're often these long poster style documents that have words and pictures but an infographic um, can be very small. It can be a single image. In fact, all an infographic is, is an image with words working together as a single visual. Image and words working together as a single visual, that's an infographic. Okay? An infographic can be a very powerful graphic for a blog post. They tend to get noticed People, that's, that's why companies love infographics, is, is they're irresistible. It can also be a great way to communicate uh, more complex information in a visual. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, remember that example I gave you just a couple of moments ago about the executive coach 
working with a executive on site at a company, one on one with with an with an executive at a company, you could have that same picture of the executive coach working with the executive one on one at a company, but you could put words to that. You could have a quote uh, where the or a um, a uh, dialogue cloud or something like that where the executive coach is saying, okay, let's go over some ideas for getting uh, better results with your team, something like that. And suddenly it becomes an infographic because you have words working together with the image. And that, and, and that together is much, much more effective. Not only are people seeing uh, that picture of the executive coach working with a, another executive, but there's words with that, and it makes it much more powerful. Okay, that example I, sh- I mentioned earlier about the realtor and her smartphone, and she's accessing the CRM system. You can turn that, that'd be a great infographic because you could have uh, words pointing to the screen of her uh, smartphone, pointing to all the different features of that CRM system that she's looking at. Okay, now it becomes an infographic, much more powerful, much more meaningful, is communicating much more. Now, infographics are almost always customized. Uh, you don't really find these uh, on the internet. Uh, you can, but most companies have infographics uh, customized. So when you're recommending an infographic to a company, usually what you do is you come up with the idea for the infographic and you simply describe it in your copy. Or you may pick up the phone and contact your client and pitch the idea. You might say, hey, I have an idea for an infographic that would really go well with this blog post. Can your designer... Put this together and, and just bounce it off the client. See if it's worthwhile. The client's going to have to pay a little bit to get that done, but it may be worthwhile. And they may be able to use that infographic and other marketing pieces as well. Uh, that's one of the ways you can persuade them <laughs> to use the infographic is that they can reuse it in so many other ways. But you can also do it yourself. Uh, you can work in tandem with your own freelance designer and create the infographic yourself. Or you can work with some online tools that make creating infographics easier for the do-it-yourself designer. I'm going to get into those tools uh, in just a couple of moments. But those are the four types of infographics. The support visual, the direct visual, the product visual, and the infographic. And when you're thinking about a visual for your client's blog post, you got to think which one of those four is going to work the best for you and for the content that you're writing. Now, where do you find these visuals that you have to select for your client's blog post? Well, the most common place is um, online on stock image websites. These are websites that specialize in images and in visuals that they sell for your use, or that the proper term is that they license them. Okay, one of my favorite sites is called iStock. I-S-T-O-C-K dot com. It's a little expensive, but they have a, a, uh, thousands of fantastic images. And their pricing is pretty good now. <laughs> I used to find them a little bit expensive, but they changed their pricing model a bit, and I find them more affordable. And they work very well. But there are many other stock photography, stock image sites on the Internet. You just have to Google stock image websites and you'll find many, many of them. Some of them are very inexpensive, but then again, so are the images that they have. 
And some of them are a little more expensive, but they have more sophisticated images that, you know, you, you don't see as often. Like I said, I mean, if, 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 if I have to look at another bullseye with an arrow sticking in the bullseye, I mean, <laughs> that stock image has been used so often, I think I'll scream if I see it again. <laughs> so uh, uh, some of the more pricier stock image sites have more original images. Uh, so you can shop that way, and it's appropriate to charge your client uh, extra for whatever you have to pay for the stock image. Um, you might want to discuss budget with your client for with for that. They may say, okay, you know, spend up to uh, $50 a month um, on images for the blog post. You might have a budget like that. There's different ways you can work it out with your client. Or sometimes your client already has an account with a stock image site and they have like, you know, a thousand credits and they give you the login. You can go in and pick and choose whatever images you want. Some clients have that available. So ask your client first if they have an account with a stock image site and if you can go in and, and use them. Use images that they've already purchased before or buy fresh images on their account. Another way you can do it is uh, Flickr. F-L-I-C-K-R dot com. Flickr. Uh, Flickr is a site for people who uh, are for photographers and image makers and illustrators and artists to post their work. And often they like the idea of having their work posted by companies. So if you go to Flickr and you find some images that you think might be appropriate for your client's blog post, check the Creative Commons rights for that image. Often the creator of that image not often, but sometimes the creator of that image will allow the use of that image for commercial purposes under specific guidelines. Uh, usually they'll want their, um, their, web, their, their name or their website address or their Flickr address as a credit integrated into the image. Sometimes there's other restrictions as well. Do not use an image unless you have absolute permission to do so from the copyright owner on Flickr. You know, just don't take an image. Check and see if you have the rights to it. Sometimes you have to get their, their personal permission, things like that. Check it out. Okay, but uh, Flickr can be a, a great place to find some images as well. And a word of warning when selecting images for your client. Do not, do not take images from Google Images. Okay, you can go to Google Images, type in uh, a topic, uh, and, and you can, you'll see a whole bunch of images that just look fantastic. You think, wow, why don't I just grab one of those? You can't grab one of those because you don't own the rights to use those. They're owned usually by other people, okay? And you can get yourself into a lot of trouble if you were to take an image that belongs to someone else and use it on your client's blog. Can you imagine the nightmare scenario where a client gets a phone call from the copyright owner upset because their image is being used on your client's blog? The next phone call that your client's going to make is the phone call to you <laughs> to, uh, you know, to, to bring this topic up with you. So you don't want that to happen. So uh, when you find an image on the Internet, don't just take it and use it. You can't. You need to make sure you have the rights to use it, either... Buy the rights from a uh, stock image site uh, or uh, Flickr is a great spot, like I said, but check and make sure you can get the rights. Now, one last thing about images. 
and visuals, especially when it comes to infographics, is that, you know, with a little bit of practice and some online tools, you can create simple illustrations, simple infographics on your own that look fantastic. It takes some practice, but you can do it because there's a lot of great tools and apps online that allow you to do that. Let me give you some of my favorites. One of them is called Pictochart.com. That's probably the best one for creating infographics easily. Pictochart, P-I-K-T-O-C-H-A-R-T.com. Another one is Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com. There's Creately, C-R-E-A-T-E-L-Y.com. There's SmartDraw.com. And there's LucidChart.com. L-U-C-I-D-C-H-A-R-T dot com. They're great for flow charts and graphs and things like that. So you can, you can uh, check out some of those online tools. Many of them have a free version, but they also have a paid version. But like I said, with a little practice, you can create a, a, some, some great original images, uh, some simple but professional-looking infographics that you can use for your client's blog. And your client will be so impressed with that. So that is some ideas and suggestions and strategies for selecting images for your client's blog. It's becoming increasingly uh, common these days for clients to demand that from their blog writer or copywriter. So it's something you're going to have to learn. So dig in and, and learn it. And actually, working with visuals can be a lot of fun. So that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you found it helpful. And by the way, you can access past episodes of this podcast on iTunes. Just do a search for B2B Writing Success or go to the website www.b2bwritingsuccess.com and you'll find all the past episodes, a lot of other uh, great resources for B2B writers and copywriters right there. So until next week, I'm Steve White, and have a great week with your B2B writing or copywriting business. We hope you enjoyed this edition of B2B Writing Success with Steve Slonwhite. For more tips on building a thriving B2B writing business, visit www.b2bwritingsuccess.com.